This episode of Fight Stories is brought to you by Absolute Nature CBD. Premium 100% natural CBD oil and CBD oil products. Absolute Nature will absolutely help you with all the pain and inflammation you get from punching people and getting punched in the head. Go to www.absolutenaturecbd.com. Use the promo code SUNSHINEBOYS for an exclusive Fight Stories discount. You're listening to Fight Stories. Fight Stories Season 2. This is John Moses, and man, am I excited. We've got a great season lined up for you guys. Uh, we got some great hockey fight stories, man, some great episodes. Former New York Ranger Ryan Vandenbush. We've got the the legend, the man that the myth and the legend was based off of, Slapshot's Olgie Oglethorpe. We got the real-life Goldie Goldthorpe. Find out why he was cut from that movie. Uh, that's a great one. We've got former NHL referee Paul Stewart, and uh, he's a former tough guy himself, also hates Goldie Goldthorpe. So that's a separate episode, but there's a little bit of heat that gets brought up in that one. In addition to that, we've got some boxing this this season. We've got former five-time champion, former lightweight and light middleweight champion Vinny Paz. That's a, uh, that's a wild episode. Took us a little while to tack that one down up in Rhode Island. And then we've got some hilarious comedians, as well as some great wild card episodes. My friend, a good friend of mine, one of the toughest babes that I've ever met. Uh, she shall remain nameless, at least for now, until we decide whether or not we should actually release her name. I don't want to fuck up her day job. And then uh, also there is a story from that episode that might have to be sponged. We have to consult the Fight Stories attorney to see... If the statute of limitations has passed on that or if it ever expires. So uh, that might be a Patreon special, that little piece of evidence. And then um, my favorite episode of the season is definitely Toronto Batman, which we will release the week of Halloween. It is so funny and bizarre and fascinating. So you got that to look forward to. In addition, to the live episodes we have not yet recorded. Van and Bush, we recorded live already, and that was cool, but we are working on a few things, including a live episode in St. Louis, November 22nd, with some uh, with some former St. Louis Blues. We want to talk to the champions. Get up there in Cup Town and, uh, and have a good time doing that. So if you are in the Missouri area or, uh, or in Kansas or, you know, if it's – if you're around, in and around St. Louis, or you're just a big old blues fan, we are nailing down the details for November 22nd. So um, message us for more information on that. Uh, and also, we've got some new merch for Season 2. we got some hoodies in addition to that T-shirt. All right, that's it. Let's get into uh, Episode 1. We are in New York City for this episode, talking to comedian Andrew Schultz. Schultz is just killing it in comedy right now. But also, uh, you know, New York kid. Pretty, uh, pretty street savvy dude. Kind of scrappy, boxed a little bit. So this, we talk about some fights and we talk about comedy in this episode. So the comedy people are gonna love it. All right, without further ado, here we go. Oh, we're in New York City, towering over the streets of Manhattan. I'm here with Tyler Morrison. We're just running around, insane, collecting these great fight stories. Oh yeah, the Sunshine Boys coming in hot. <laughs> Once again, we got an amazing episode coming up. We got uh, 
one of my favorite uh, people in comedy and uh, one of the funniest dudes just crushing it right now. We're in New York City with Mr. Andrew Schultz. Hello, guys. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks this for awesome. having me. I appreciate it. I just yep. got an idea, by the way, of someone you need me. to get on this this podcast. Who's that? Ben Bailey. Oh, okay, from Cash I Cab. I will arrange this. He's a he's a comic. Ben, he's yeah, he's hilarious. the guy from Cash Cab. Yeah, a hilarious comic. Yeah, uh, and his comedy is very different than like his Cash Cab antics. He's mm-hmm. he's like really like, structured and, and the bits are yeah, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like he's funny, but he has the funniest fight stories. I was trying to get him to do this podcast. Oh, okay. Like oh, wow. no, no, not yours. Like I was yeah, like, bro, yeah. you got to just do a podcast. Come and talk about people. Fights. Talk about fights. So when I saw you guys doing, it, I was like, it's a brilliant idea. People listen. Wow. But. Uh, this episode is going to go downhill the second I start talking about my fight stories, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> but, uh, but Ben Bailey has the You'll funniest fu- I mean, talking about, like, in college, like, people pulling out guns on his friends and him. Oh, and wow. Fr- like, bro. Like, I did hear that dude, he picked somebody up by the throat. I, I don't know if it was at the cellar dude, or at the something. Cellar, dude, they'd be fucking around. Back in the day, Yeah. at the cellar, like... We are such pussies compared to what, like, oh, yeah. our generation is pathetic. Back in the day, he would tell me a story about, like, how ruthless people were. Back in the day, there's this one story <laughs> where it's Patrice and Norton and him and a few other guys are sitting at the back table. And a new comic from, like, Ohio or something just comes into the cellar. And he goes, uh, hey, guys, how you doing, man? I'm a comic from Ohio. just came to New York City. And uh, here's my DVD. I was wondering if you could just hand this to Esty and, you know, so she could see it. And uh, Patrice goes, uh, oh, yeah, for sure, man. Let me see that for a second. And uh, <laughs> takes a DVD, opens up a DVD case, takes out the DVD, cracks the DVD in half from oh. the corner of the table, oh. <laughs> puts it back in the DVD case, closes it, hands it to the guy. Bro, they were fucking animals, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were fucking animals back That's in the day, so dude. That's so cold-blooded. We're so soft now, dude. It was just savages. Oh, yeah, you'd be at the front page of Vulture if you fucking did that today. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it, dude, the stories, and Ben was there for all of I mean, they would just be relentless. Just going in on each yeah, other. He would be great. He's a big guy. Like, he, yeah. He's oh yeah. Like, yeah. He will fight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. When you, it's funny because like I hear his comedy, and then people say, "Oh no, he'd be off stage, like you know, ripping people up by the neck." I'm like, that guy. Yes. That guy seems like a wholesome Cash man. Cat. If yes. you've ever seen him roast, though, he's fucking merciless. Oh, he's good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So he's sharp. He's a little bit different uh, on a roast than his, his regular stand-up or cash cap stuff, right? So oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. roast somebody. Who did he roast? There was Patrice or something like that. There was a it was an older one that was really good. Yeah, I think it was the Patrice yeah, roast. Yeah, yeah, at, at the Village Bo- uh, or Boston Comedy, Comedy Village, Boston, which was the mm. Boston when we would perform there. Was the you ever performed the Comedy Village? No, I did the Boston one time. Boston w- turned into Comedy. It was Village. when it was Barry Katz's club. Yes, and that's when they did the roast. And it yeah. is on YouTube if you want to check it out. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's <laughs> ruthless. Oh God, it's ruthless. <laughs> but that's yeah. great. Yeah, so that's that's my suggestion. I'll hook that up. Oh, very cool, for sure. We love that. That's a, it's, it's funny because you know, there's a continuance that is starting to happen in this podcast. Okay. So uh, we had Artie on, and Artie was telling a story Lang. about Lang. Yeah. yeah. And th- he was telling a story His about his nose is a fight story. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Bro. Yeah, oh yeah. You know what I love it about it? It fought the war on drugs. <laughs> 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 that's great. You're and the law won. <laughs> <laughs> the drugs won. <laughs> I bought the wall. <laughs> Nancy Reagan spinning in her grave. God damn it. Um, oh, yeah. dude, that should be next season of Narcos. 
Yeah. Artie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the hiding in there. The germs. Narcos the New Jersey. Living in, in fucking Artie's nose, just battling all the drugs. <laughs> so, Bro. So, but Artie tells a story about Bob Levy eating blue cheese out of a chick's ass. This is actually how Paz, you know, b- got on the radar. That episode goes <laughs> out. A lot of information somebody, just came at me right? right now. Go. So then somebody, my buddy who works at comics goes, oh, yeah. Vinny Paz let his girlfriend get blue cheese eaten out of her ass by, by Bob, Bob Levy. Levy. That was his closer. Yeah, it's his closer. For you two bring years. a chick on stage for two years. randomly out of the crowd and eat blue cheese out of her ass. And so John was asking Artie, because <laughs> Artie on. told him about this. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Is that, did anyone ever beat him up? Because my mind is blown. Like, I'm like, I don't know surely how, somebody must have tried to assault you. Yeah, how's a guy not beat up? Uh, Levy for you know his girl get you know getting a little too excited and jumping up there right and uh, yeah so what do you do if there's no girl willing like I don't think Bob is selling out I, well I mean there's crowds with like twelve people I, th- I think you'd have a hard time now getting somebody to let Bobby blue cheese out of her ass but this <laughs> so is there was a time where this is Howard Stern at the height uh, yeah, yeah so you're going there for some wild shit right mm-hmm. right you know this is you know fucking two thousand people in a room. Probably at minimum all the time, you know, and they're and they're nuts. So anyway, oh, um, when the whack pack is flying high, oh, right, yeah. right, 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 right. When the whack pack wasn't whack. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm like, did anybody ever? He's like, no. I was, you know, he did that for two years. I never saw anybody, you know, try to physically harm him. So then the episode goes out, and then somebody sends me a, a, a picture. Oh, this is Levy at comics, and he's with Vinny Paz and his girlfriend, Vinny Paz told his girlfriend to go up on the stage. She the boxer, for the, the boxer. Who don't know. Of course. Yeah, not the rapper. And uh, <laughs> and then and then and the girl looked a little reluctant. And he was like, "Get up there." Right? So then that's why I reached out to Vinny Paz. I was like, "Hey man, you know, you, there's this story. Listen, you're a great fighter and everything like that, but I just really would love to hear this story." <laughs> you know? And then like 2 months later he gets back to me and we, you know, we all know how that story has ended thus far. Damn. With him with him blowing us off. Searching for Vinny Paz. <laughs> Searching for Vinny Paz. We will find him. Yeah. Fuck. We'll but then, but then, you know, we did, we did Colt Noor. And then Colt Noor's like, oh, man, you got to go and talk to, to Doug the Thug. And he was the guy from the movie Goon. Like the, right, you were telling me about this. Yeah. Right. So there's like, there's like some continuance. And then we were in Boston getting that, that, uh, the dude, um, James. And James is from Lowell. And he starts telling us a story about Dickie Eklund. He's a young the comic. Fighter. James is a young comic, and he's a jiu-jitsu trained fighter. Okay. And he starts telling us ab- about uh, Dickie Eklund from The Fighter. Is from his hometown. And Mickey Ward. Yeah, but Dickie Eklund is the character played by Christian Bale. Christian Bale. It's Bale. To me, brother. it's so funny. And he goes, listen, if you thought Christian Bale was funny in that movie, he's got nothing on the real-life Dickie. Well, you see a little bit of real-life Dickie at the end of the movie. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. did you actually talk to Dickie? No, but th- he's saying... Oh, I'll bring you the Dickie. And I was just like, I don't even want to speak to Irish Mickey. I mean, I don't want to say I don't want to, but of course. But to me, Dickie is the guy I've got all the questions for. Oh, without you know? a doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's like there's a continuance. And then you're like, oh, you got to talk to Ben Bailey. And then it's like we go, you know. Because we know the fight stories. Town. We know the people. You know an interesting guy. I mean, he's not going to be interesting to talk to. But mm. he, if you can get the stories out of him through someone else, the uh, the bouncer at Nick's Comedy Stop, the black dude. Were you we tried. Yeah, you he heard kept, about him. Yeah. Ten times he's been shot. Wow, that's crazy. He kept different ca- times, two of them women. <laughs> two, wow. Yeah, no, no. no. I wonder eight what the conviction rate women. is. 
Eight of them. Eight women. of them women. Something crazy. Is I remember he a rapist? asking. No, he's like the sweetest guy. And he was like, "Yeah, she thought I was cheating on her." I was like, "Well, was you?" He goes, "No." And it's just like you got well shot for not even cheating. Like it's nuts. Dude. I don't know if that guy's has had a head injury or something, but the fact that eight women would even fuck the guy is miraculous to me. Oh, he still got a girl. A no bullet teeth. to the head, maybe. He. Can't <laughs> 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 We're trying to do. Uh, like an episode before the show in the, in like the back area there, and he oh, kept yeah. coming in with a boombox that he just, had just bought off a crackhead. <laughs> he's just blasting it, interrupting the podcast. So yeah, yeah something's not 100%. a hundred. No, for sure. Yeah, he's gonna you know, screw it too loose. Yeah, it, you know. But 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 I mean, if you get shot ten times, maybe we could have at a the job. If you get shot ten times at the job, like you definitely have a little bit of a screw loose. <laughs> 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 like it would take me one time. To never work there again if I got shot. Yeah, yeah. Where did he get? He got shot at the comedy at the job. Club? This is at the job. Holy fuck! No, stabbed twice at the job, both by women. That's what the two was. Stabbed twice, shot eight That's times. That's crazy. Shot ten times, just in his life. Oh, stabbed twice at the, yeah, at yeah. the job. But these aren't fight stories. You know, that's just no, but they're shot. fun. They're you know? assault. That's fighting enough. <laughs> it's a type. I'm sure he's got a few fight stories. Buried. Fought for his life. <laughs> yeah. uh, Andrew, where yes. where are you from? You're uh, from here, New York right? City, Manhattan. So East Village. You must have seen some wild shit back in the day. Because I don't sure. fancy you much as a fighter. Like, I would have never have thought that. No. But I also feel like you've seen some shit. I've seen some shit. I mean, I used to box. Like, I did, like, uh, oh, you did. organized fighting. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But I, I I, was always pretty, like, a confrontational guy. But it would never really get to the point of... You're tall. you got a good range. Yeah, no. I, 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 fighting is, is was always fun for me, but like I think that what's a, that's what makes you a good comic is the fact that you're confrontational. Yes, I like. You're always trying to drive a point home, and you know, and maybe in the process learn something. But Possibly. I think that's important for you know for, for a lot of good comics is that that li- that liking that confrontation. If you're afraid of the confrontation, the comedy's not going to be good. Yeah, I'm not opinion. a big fan of like I, I'll just be like, all right, fuck off, and then if like go home and write about it. But exactly, yeah. But you know, well, no, I think you. Yeah, I think it the comics that we're often drawn to. I can't speak for you guys, but I imagine no, we no, have some like similarities in what we like. They're sure, tough crowd. The tough crowd. The tough crowd gang is. Yeah, it's like they're like. people who are confrontational, right? Yep. They're like people who have a different opinion, aren't afraid to express it. But in terms of like me, like just getting into all-out brawls and that kind of shit, like that, really wasn't that much. I mean, a couple like fights at basketball games or just somebody was messing with my brother and I had to, you know, rough him up a little bit, but nothing yep. like, you know, I'm concussed or crazy i've definitely been uh-huh. i'm trying to think have you ever strangled a woman like outside of sexual <laughs> things <or> like, <laughs> like <laughs> strangled is a tough word like joke, joke is cute strangle, a gentle joke yeah yeah <laughs> joke of course like have i ever not <laughs> that's the question strangle ends like up in the nicknames of serial yeah, killers like, yeah. <laughs> where else do you do with your hands during there's sex no, <laughs> there's no Boston you can only choker. rub the tits so many times <laughs> remember a girl didn't want me to choke her once i was just looking at my hand like i was taking a picture and i wasn't in a gang or something <laughs> I was like, well, what do I do now? Like, <laughs> you just put it behind your back and no. fucking you're like a fencer <laughs> on my hip. <laughs> oh god, <A> fencer. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, very like boring fight stories, man. Really. Okay, so what about like what did you see back in the village? Because when you were in the village, yeah, the village wasn't like the worst part of New York, right? Like it was kind of like it was still gay, and there was a lot of drugs going down. Different part of the village. Okay, so. 
I lived in the East Village, which was just turning around. Like when my folk, my folks had a dance studio. Okay. Right, and my we lived originally uptown. And by the time I was in like fourth or fifth grade, my dad thought it was safe enough to move down there. Hmm. The East Village, which you know, Alphabet City, that kind of area. Yeah. Was like the heroin haven in Manhattan. Right. Like at one point, it was just called Tent City, and people just lived in tents in Tompkins Square Park. Unfucking believable. Yeah, it was insane, right? And then uh, I think like Ed Koch or somebody was like, "Nah, we're not doing that shit anymore." And yeah, just like yeah. kicked all the people out. But like, so it was a lot, you know, a lot of drugs going down. It was like a lot of sex shops and that kind of shit like that. And then it just became like Japanese like hair cutting. <laughs> Like it just turned overnight to like Japanese haircutting <laughs> salons. It was so weird. But um, so when I I kind of was there for like the transition, yeah. NYU started buying up all these different things. The so you saw scene. that. So you this was yeah. happening around you. Yeah, like CBGB's clothes, like all these. Mm. So it was like when people complain about like the neighborhoods. So changing. when your parents bought that dance studio, was it like they, did they get the building for a song and it was kind of like okay guys, this is gonna be the new. Well, I think they got it just because. It, they were lucky. It was like a, lo- a lot of these buildings downtown are artists and residence buildings. Mm-hmm. So like you got to be an artist to get it. Right. And they just knew how to fill the paperwork. Exactly. My my parents were dancers, right? It was like my mom mm. was a dancer. Like we're just gonna teach dance lessons here. So boom, they got it. And it was like a good deal. For wow. What it was in the neighborhood flipped. But um. Wow. Good luck. Yeah. It, no, it was definitely good luck. They've been they've been good. But you would definitely <laughs> you see. You could. Shit. I'm sure somebody had the same dream in Cleveland in the nope. thirty years ago, <laughs> and the and the, art, the the studio never turned. The neighborhood never turned. <laughs> no, for sure. They definitely lucked out. A lot of yeah. shit is luck. But yeah, I mean, you would so see shit. Sergio, you know, got an apartment. Ooh. You know, his I got apartment a fight story, in Alpha. By the way, they good. Did, here's a fight story. It's not a fight story, but. It's a it's a fight story kind of from from our past. Not a very successful one for me, which is probably the funnier. Oh, we like those. Um, <laughs> yeah, who comes on here and just tells heroic fight stories? Ken Shamrock. <laughs> God. Sorry, Mr. Shamrock, please. Dante, <laughs> Dante, Dante Nero. <laughs> well, Dante could handle his shit. Oh, Dante yeah. could definitely handle his shit. But uh, it's funnier, I think, when you anyway. So I w- the first time I ever did uh, Mocha, Mocha Lounge. Oh yeah, I've done Mocha. We've done it together. Yeah. Uh, which is a very famous comedy uh, room in the black circuit in New York City. It's up on like 118th and like some famous black guy named Street. Uh-huh. What street is it? Malcolm X. Or yeah. Like Frederick Adam Douglas. Clayton Powell. Frederick one of them. Right. Yeah. One of those guys. So 118th and famous black guy. Uh, and basically, uh, my first time ever going up there, I think it was my first time ever doing a hood room. I was just starting up comedy. And um, I remember I went up and I was kind of making fun of some guy in the crowd. And there's no real stage or anything like that. No, you perform in front of the bus station. It's basically <laughs> like... You're at a bar. Yeah, and yeah. there's people it's sitting on like little... It would be like basically performing in somebody's living room that is jam-packed and serving alcohol. Yes. Yeah. NBA you know, playoff games. People are surrounding all around. You. Nobody's yeah. paying attention to you. Like, you're competing with very entertaining sports. <laughs> so I'm up I'm on stage, and I'm just kind of like making fun of some Puerto Rican guy. And I'm not funny, like, at the point in time. Like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just trying to, like, establish some sort of rapport. Sure. You're swimming. Exactly. And um, he didn't really like it that much, and he walks up to me. And he's in front of me, and I'm in front of him, and it's okay. Everybody's allowing it because there's no stage. They don't know right. if he's going to the bathroom. They don't yeah, know whatever. Yeah. He's just standing in front of me, and I'm like, "What's up, man?" And he just punches me right in the face. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they grab him. They grab me. They tear us apart. They kick him out. Tear apart. Okay, so you gripped onto him after he hit. Oh, of you. course. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He didn't drop me or nothing like that. Yeah. But um, 
You see, I got an ego still. You didn't knock me out. Who's <laughs> <laughs> was that guy who plays for the Blue Jays that got stuffed? What was his name? Batista? <laughs> yeah, Batista. He's like, yeah, he wasn't strong enough to knock me out. So shut up. He rattles yeah. your knees, bro. You're yeah, doing yeah, a yeah. So he goes, uh, so the guy punched me in the face. They grab him immediately, grab me, separate us. They throw him out. And I remember the, the, a Smokey, who's the guy who runs the show. So funny. I remember he uh, just hands me the microphone and goes, all right, bro, keep doing your thing. <laughs> 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 That's not the end of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so I had to do 10 more minutes. No, you didn't. I swear to God. I had to do 10 more minutes. And for all these people that just saw me get punched in the fucking face. Oh did you get a standing O after? No. You stood in there, white boy. Bro, no, not at all, dude. It was You know, the black room was like, no, nah, you got to be funny. We don't care what happened. Like, earn this no shit. Excuses. Bro, no like, excuses. No excuses. So there's something that would happen at a rap battle. Bro, literally, <laughs> yeah. dude, it was crazy. So, but <laughs> you coolest, keep doing your thing. He, he literally hands me by, go, keep doing your thing, bro. He did, and I'll be honest with you, the best thing that was probably the best thing that happened to me in comedy because I experienced the worst case scenario. Yeah. Really, really, like there's nothing worse. Like no bomb is worse. No, literally, people go, "What if somebody does something to you on stage?" And I've mm-hmm. had candles thrown at me on stage. Uh-huh. I've had like, I mean, there was a time like I said I was very confrontational in my comedy, so it was like, yeah. I didn't. I was, I was confrontational, but didn't know how to like put the medicine in the candy. Yeah, yeah. You mm. know, so it was like mm. it was just fighting. I was just fighting the audience, but I was learning how to be funny yeah. through fighting them. Yeah. And on like a different point, that's what I'm worried about comedy now, because like, how could a comic in this environment develop this? Like, yeah. I I could because we had the Village Lantern. We had someplace no one was watching us. Right. But now, like, a blo- funny, one vlog would take ago. that. Well, they always they always say shit like, uh, you know, they're like, well, only Chris Rock could say something like that. Even like, Chris. Well, how does how does Chris Rock become Chris Rock? He was allowed to fail. He's allowed to find the line and cross it. Yeah. And now you're not allowed. Now all eyes are on everyone. And yeah, man, I had to have a talk to. with um, Judd Apatow about this recently because he was going at Louie on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, you had to talk with him? Yeah, like I had to talk to him at God the cellar about bless it. You, man. Because like I, I just like what's going on, man? Like. Because I think he's actually a nice guy. Me too. I think he's yeah. a, Judd is a genuinely nice guy, and I think that's to his disadvantage around us because yeah. he doesn't relate to, like, that thing we have inside, like why we can joke around about the most fucked up thing. Right. The, yeah, the gallows humor that yeah, relieves like the just, tension. There's something yeah. in there that we need to get out, right? Or it just kind of fucking bubbles up inside us, right? And we're just kind of laughing to ourselves, and, like, we can – you know, remove. Uh, He's like, I'm going to write a four hour script about this. Well, <laughs> and he'd probably do it successfully. Right. Exactly. But like, I just, it's a I different just, outlet. Yeah, it's just different. Like, so I had to just kind of tell him, like, you don't know what stage that bit is in. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're criticizing, uh, you know, the type of comedy that you don't even know is finished yet. You know what I mean? It takes time for us to make these things funny. You know, like we don't really know where he is with it. Also, it'd be like somebody looking at a first draft of a script. And then make passing judgment on it then. Exactly. And I, I, I brought that example up, mm. literally that example up. And he's like, you know what? They used to do is sneak into screenings and then like give reviews on the movie before it was done. And it's like, yeah, and how awful was that? Like, you don't want right. to be that guy. Yeah. And then I said, more importantly, like, it's going to be fine with Louis. It's going to be fine with me. It's going to be fine with you. Right? right. We can offend people because we're at a point in our career where we have like a fan base of people come out. Right. But there's, you know, I think John Fish was with us. It was like, John might be performing in a club in Kentucky. Yeah. Say an offensive joke. And you've enabled those audience members that feel offended. You've enabled them to like shut him down and cancel him and get him. You yeah. Know, stop being booked at that club. So it's like you got to look out for us because comedy has been very good to you. 
especially stand up. Mm. You know, so you got to protect us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you're in a, a moment in time or where you, you were able to just walk in to a position where people have to work very hard for 10, 15, 20 and sometimes never even attain that level. Yeah. So and you're taking it for granted. And no, and not only that, like because I think he truly values me. I'm just saying mm-hmm. like so many stand-ups have done great work with with him and like yeah. stand-up comedy has brought such great things for him and success in his career yeah. because of his skill. Like that guy executes. And he's done good things for stand-up comics and he could be an ambassador of exactly. what we do uh, right. one way or the other. And yeah. it's, you know, what what are you going to choose? Is what Louis CK did, you know, if it doesn't sit right with him, it's like, well, maybe sit back and 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 judge him on that. But it's not a, not on his comedy, because his comedy is in a different stage. Yeah. You know what I mean? If he comes out with a special, and you want to pass judgment, okay, I think that's up to everyone. That's what I said. He's like, yeah, can't yeah. people have an opinion? I'm like, yeah, we're comics. We have tons of opinions, but you kind of do that shit within the family. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's certain people who, the way you're doing it to him right there. Exactly. That you pull him aside and say, like, even right now, saying this, like, to you guys, I'm not bashing anybody. No. Like, I'm saying exactly how no, I think how you're supposed to handle these types of situations. And we're not mm-hmm. bashing Judd Apatow at all. Like, we, yo, I am fucking the last 20 <laughs> minutes of that movie with Sandler should have been edited. But everyone knows what that. What was it? I didn't remember it. The, I don't know, the funny, the people, funny people. Where he tries to eat the girl's pussy or something. Oh, I, but that must have been the director's <laughs> cut. I feel like that would have stood out. You get <laughs> private screening at Judge Yes, I guess. <laughs> but I basically told him, I was like, look, yeah. man, if you're, he's like, because, you know, partially I'm concerned about Louie. I was like, bro, if you're concerned, reach out to him. Call him. Yeah, that's not the way to. You could do that. Like, right. you have the clout to do that. You could yeah. do that, and you could have a conversation with him. And you, and you're, and you I said, you you're know, a text message away, man. That's it. And you might be right. Yeah. If you're right, you're right. That's cool. But the way you go about it enables this outrage shit. Right. It fucks up comedy because the way we came up, man, I could never get away with the type of jokes that I get away with now. It's true. If I didn't learn how to do it. Yeah, yeah. That's a skill, man. You know, but when you write a joke right now, the, at the level you're at, you pretty much have an idea. I could take this to the stage now. Whereas when you're younger and you're starting out or newer and, mm-hmm. and, and starting out, uh, you have to try. You have to take a lot of shots. Of course, you take a even, lot of shots. So even now, at your shots. age, you even still got to fucking do it. Do, man. But you know I mean, what it it's is? Like it's like when you start out, it's a fucking shotgun, bro. And you're just yeah. spraying. Mm-hmm. You're seeing what hits if right. something hits. Mm-hmm. You know. And as you get older, maybe you get a different type of gun that's a little bit more accurate. But you're still gonna miss. It's still yeah. gonna take a few shots. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I started this show on my on my YouTube channel called Inside Jokes, where I basically get comics to bring the jokes that are too offensive they don't work yeah and i think i told you about this maybe yeah I don't know. Oh, I like that. but it's like I, I so they, we each bring a joke and the four of us work it out and like the fun thing is people are interested in how comics write jokes but like the the little hidden message in it is is hopefully people start realizing oh there's a process to this oh i love that oh. it's almost like you're you're educating people as to how comedy is to be digested exactly and if you tell people that's what you're doing Yep. You can't tell people anything. You got to show them. That sounds boring as fuck. Exactly. You know, right? But, but we like, understand immediately. But you tell somebody us, else that. But the yeah. average person is just like, how do jokes happen? You know, or how do you do? But once they hear right. us going, hey, when I use this word, the com- the audience gets pissed off. But when I use this word, and then once they see the weight of it is off, like a lot of us, we're just writing bits because this is like a fun puzzle for us to try to solve. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's just a fun, interesting thing to do. And when they act like there's this so much weight on this joke like it's gonna change the world this it's right, this like right right that's not what this shit is about dude no you know but 
to be completely honest, the reason why they have so, they're so afraid of it is because of how powerful a joke is. So many of my philosophies on life probably came from Chris Rock. Yeah. You know, just like stupid. Oh, my God. Bullets make bullets expensive. Like there are things so like that. many like, things that I think of even now where I was like, oh, God, I think Chris Rock. You know, I, I go, oh, my God, it. that's a genius idea. And then I'm like, I go to write it. And I was like, oh, God, I think Chris Rock said something about like this in relationships. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's like and it like dictates not even our writing process, but just the way we think like so much shit. I think of what would Patrice do? It's critical. You know what? It's a critical. There's. It gives you. A, it not only is it funny, and it you know trains you to look at things from another perspective, but it also gives you, like, a set of like critical thinking skills. Yeah. You know. That's all it is. Scientific method. We just apply it to. Nonsense. To nonsense. <laughs> For real, to really yeah, give so people right, you joy. You get caught up in the importance of this because at the end of the day, we're jacking off in front of people, Dude, figuratively, I, <laughs> not literally, I, like Louis. Not, that's what I don't understand about just these people who are upset at comedy. It's like we're literally bringing you joy. Like, I cannot. And if we can bring joy to even the most fucked up topics, now you have more joy in your life. It's just shocking that you could kind of criticize people who bring joy. It mind, it's mind boggling to me. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. That's all we do is make people happy for a moment in time. The last people you should come at are us. Like, there are people out there that murder. How are you? How do you have time to tweet about comedians when there are murderers true. out there? It's true. Literally, it's true. they're murderers. Yeah. They're people kidnapping little <laughs> fucking Russian girls and selling them in I Atlantic know. City. I, like, this is bothering you? I know. Because we'll tweet back to them. <laughs> it, you're absolutely right, because we're fucking losers, and we actually care about validation of the people who even hate us. It's so yeah. dumb. We should just ignore them. And when I think of like all this like you know gender pronoun and all this shit, I'm like, are kids still getting shot in school? Like, Bro. can't we just like gather and focus on one issue at a time? Like the most important. I know Stanhope had like a bit something similar, right? Like, why are you trying to save the dogs? You know. Uh, I don't. I don't understand any of it. I mean, I think it's obnoxious. Like the, like even the like. Why did you assume my gender? It's like, because it's like ninety nine percent of the time I'm right. Like if there's yeah, one because thing I in grew life up like this, and this is the way my up. mind is. If been. there's one thing in life you can assume, and you're gonna be right, right. It's gender. Like, if if there's one thing I would tell my like, don't assume what's religion somebody is. Don't assume that someone's <laughs> into you. Don't assume that. But ninety nine percent of the time. <laughs> In my life, when I've said sir, it's been a fucking sir. Right. 99.999. 99.999. So if we make an off mistake, I you got to stomach that shit. <laughs> Bro, people yeah. assume I'm Jewish all the time. My last name's Schultz. Assume mm-hmm. I'm Jewish all the time. I'm not upset at that. Actually makes sense because uh-huh. it's a Jewish last name. Mm-hmm. I actually thought you were Jewish. And then you doubled down with those crackers, and I was like, oh, he's a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> Mary? <laughs> Virgin Mary's crackers? No, they just taste so bland. <laughs> I was saying, it's like, you shouldn't be upset yeah. about that. Like, it's not this thing that you can be pissed about. Like, God, it's part of life, you People know? get worked up about it. They, w- they get worked up, and then you throw a little bit of alcohol on that entitlement, and then it's fucking game on. This episode of Fight Stories is brought to you by Absolute Nature CBD, premium 100% natural CBD oil and CBD oil products. Absolute Nature CBD is organic. There are no GMOs, preservatives, additives, coloring, synthetics, chemicals, or MSG. It's made right here in the good old U.S. of A., and they offer a heavy discount for first responders, veterans, and people with long-term disability. 
Go to www.absolutenaturecbd.com. Use the promo code SUNSHINEBOYS if you love America. Product not available in communist Canada. Have you ever uh, got attacked on stage again? or was that? I had a chick through a lit candle at me. <laughs> yeah, oh. and then she said, I hope you die in a house fire. <laughs> and I was like, well, what, are you trying to start one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, I didn't think, I just ducked. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But, uh... Yeah, I did that. I'm trying to think. I've had little scuffles outside of shows, but again, like scuffles. Uh, Let me. Th- what do you mean? Define like, that. Like you know, some guy said some shit gets on my face, and I'll push him, and then just you know, nothing ends up. I've noticed a lot of people are not courageous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't really want to fight. They, oh yeah. They, you know, there's. What else was I going to say? Like not people have these especially things. Especially, like, especially when they're not boozed up. Facts. The booze helps. The booze definitely helps, but I do not like to fight drunk, hmm. because I understand the disadvantage it puts me. Like. If, you know, I feel like in my life, like if I've fought most all the fighting I've ever done, like in the ring, at least, has been sober. So I know the difference. Right. Mm-hmm. When I'm a little sauced up, uh-huh. I'm like, oh, I'm not dodging shit. Right. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I might be able to swing. How long did you box for? I was or boxing, for? I think probably maybe. At the community center? <laughs> no, I probably started when I was like 21 and maybe stopped when I was around or 20, 20. 21, maybe 21, when it stopped when I was maybe like 25 or something oh, like okay. that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I was boxing for a little bit. I had a smoker. Pretty significant. Yeah, it was, it was fun. But um, Did you did you do any matches? Yeah, I had a, I had one fight. It was it was cool. It was like in front of my school, so there was like thousands of people there and shit. It was pretty crazy. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I won. Nice. KO'd him. Little punk. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and, then you, and then you quit with a 100% win record? No, I was going to do Golden Gloves. And uh, I uh, I went down to L.A. and I, I weighed in and everything like that. You got to get down to within three pounds of your weight. And I was going to do 165. I'm pretty tall. I'm 6'2". So 165 is tough for me to yeah, get that's, down to. That's a, that's a fucking greyhound. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you got to look like a greyhound. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, because I'm 6'2", and I was like, 165, dude. Right. So it's like I got down to 168. You had to get within three pounds. And I got down to 168 for the weigh-in, and then you go back three days later, and um, you fudged it. No, I I'd been training for months for this. Like, oh. I was stoked. I was ready to go. And my fucking philosophy class. I was in college at the time. They decided to uh, do a test. Uh, what's it called? Like a final. I just couldn't miss my final, and oh. it was the day of my fight. And oh they don't man. tell you your fight date until after you uh. sign in. So they told me the fight date, and then I was the same day as my final. It was like kind of so. You're right in the final. I go, get, how about this? I go to the final. This is the f- most fucked up. I had been working months of my life. I'm talking about running every single day, training every single day, dieting to get my six foot two gangly frame down 165 pounds. Yeah. And no professional diet. I just like I was like, oh, eat salad. Like, right. I, you know, <laughs> there's yeah, yeah, ways yeah. to get down. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, take yeah, yeah. saunas and shit. Like I literally yeah. was like salad. That's yeah. what I'll do. <laughs> just, so um, and I go in and I don't get to do it. And uh, I go into my fucking philosophy class and the guy goes, uh, guess what? Surprise. We're not going to do a final. No. I swear to God. Oh, so you beat the shit out of I, him. I should have. <laughs> I should have. I dedicated maybe three months of my life just training five oh, days a week. I mean, just fucking. So you threw your hands up and then. I was just like Alanis Moore said, "Isn't this ironic?" <laughs> <laughs> did you? Uh, how long then after did you start doing comedy? Uh, I had started comedy like a month before I came back to school. Uh, came back to New York when I was in Santa Barbara, so I think I was like twenty-three. Oh wow! So you're doing comedy, boxing, going to school. Sounds like, it sounds like you could afford to drop something anyway. Yeah, I had a, I had a full-time job, man. 
Wow. I was managing a restaurant, <coughs> and that's where I started comedy. They had a comedy night at the restaurant. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, yeah. It was like some destiny shit. Like, sometimes life puts things in your way where, where like, you can't move out of your way. Like, you're meant to do that. Yeah. And, it, like, all these weird things lined up for it to happen. Like, the only reason, like, I got a, a job at that restaurant because I spoke Spanish, and that the owner was starting a new restaurant, so I started working there, and he was at some coffee shop, and the, the comedy show was going, but the coffee shop was closing, so he was like, you want to just try it at my new restaurant? So many different things going. Little things. And I saw all these guys, like, I saw Sebastian Maniscalco perform for 20 people. Uh-huh. Wow. He just did the garden four times yeah. in a row. Wow. 20 people. I think Destiny's telling me to quit. Anyway. Was he working <laughs> at the Four Seasons back then? Is that <laughs> yeah, it was probably, he had some job in yeah. L.A., but it yeah, was yeah. like... You know, it was it's just crazy to see those guys. And talent shines through even at yeah. that age. I was like, no, nah, this guy's special. That's interesting. Holy shit. But yeah, it was uh yeah, that was the that was the best thing. It was just like yeah. And I'll tell you one thing, um about comedians who often, you know, you say that boxing is like a metaphor for comedy. It is not. It is not, you said? No. <laughs> I know. The only thing, the only. You know how you know it, John? Because you've never heard a boxer go, you know what boxing's like? Stand up comedy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just like stand up when you think about it. I mean, another guy trying to murder you yeah. in front of a group of people. Same yeah. exact thing. You know, like, once you've boxed, nothing getting, is like boxing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, getting CTE when you're 53 and your relationship being extremely violent until you blow your fucking head off. Making your girlfriend get blue cheese eaten out of her ass. You know, your nose is paved in. <laughs> in New Jersey, <laughs> dude, it is nothing like it. Like, stop it. comics. Need That's to stop so with funny. That shit. <laughs> well, you know what? But but I mean, I mean, I will say this: the similarities between comics. Mm-hmm. I always say the wrestler is one of my favorite non-comedy comedy movies because it's just you see guys who had had a moment and maybe had a shot, yeah. and can't let go, and yeah. they, you know they don't see the writing on the wall or whatever it is, and they're stuck, and there's no goddamn. Retirement. And there's no benefit, and there's no health packages, you know. And you'll you'll see men who may have had a shot or may not be reduced to this fucking shell of a life that they had committed to, and just never were able to to like you know make a left or quit altogether, yeah. you know. And and it's a the shame about that is they they actually never realized why they were doing it in the first place. That's the that's what I kind of took from the wrestler. Um, I think there was something happy about it in, in a weird way. Like, and this is what, as a transition has happened really in my life, to be honest with you, is like, uh, like if you love the game, it doesn't matter the result. The result is icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. So like, that's okay. And I know, I know what you're saying. It's easy to say in my position. Right. Right. Every rich person will tell you, Money will, does not give you happiness. And every poor person will tell you, if I just have some money, I'll be happy. I understand a thousand percent. You need to achieve a certain amount of success to realize the success doesn't give you the joy. You need to. It is impossible for someone who's poor to look at a rich person and go, I wouldn't be happy if I was rich. But let's take that. Let, let's let's take, let's take a step back from the extremes sure. for a second. You know, particularly in this country. Yeah. When you hit 50, 60, you know, we are not talking about being able to afford to live. Like, we're talking the difference, like, you, you know, your 
your life expectancy. You know what I mean? If you can't afford insurance and like decent medical and, and yeah. things like that, you know, your your life could be fucking cut short. Comics got this weird know? thing where like they don't want to have a day job, right? But I never had an issue with that. Yeah, like I didn't find pride in like just doing comedy. If yeah. it meant that I was doing like gigs that made me miserable. Listen, I've done, I did for years, mm-hmm. and have recently, you know, got a side business doing some real estate stuff. Great, because I want to continue to do this for you know the rest Great. of my life. You but should. I also have to be able to provide and, and live a, a certain standard of my life. And when, you know, and things will go up and down, and that's all good. But, but your comedy will be better because of it. Mm, yeah, maybe like ten times better. Mm. It, it, because what happens is when you have to make money, right? You start doing jokes that you don't want to do because you have to kill. It's the reason why nobody will be funny in the future if we can do this culture. Because how could a kid that's growing up in, you know, go the Cleveland Funny Bone or something like that, and he has to host and feature? How can you really push the envelope? Yeah, he can't. He won't get booked to host and feature. I'm, right. Yeah. He it's almost really like you have will to carve, not. You almost have to carve out your audience first on Instagram so that they don't run you out of the club on comment cards. But then how do you truly get funny? You know, you cannot. Right. Without. I mean, we had an incredibly unique experience at the Village Lantern. It was this place where nobody watched us. We ran it ourselves. That's we right. begged the people to come in off the street and they did. We performed for six Swedish people. Mm-hmm. Fucking most nights, but we did whatever jokes we wanted. And chicks threw lit candles, and we got in fights afterwards. But we learned how to be funny in our way. But just going back to to what we we're saying about that, like you having the day job or having the side hustle, whatever the fuck you want to call it, it right. makes your comedy ten times better because now you're not going, oh shit, if I don't kill in the show, I won't get asked to be back to book. Now you're just gonna go up in the show and be like, all right, that's what it is. Fuck. This is the comedy I want to do. I choose to do it this way. Well, that's it. I'm putting out an album every four years until the day that I die, whether somebody wants to listen to it or not. And Done. I'm doing that for me. And if that brings you joy, d- listen, I look at how many people watch the video that I post on YouTube right. just as much as anybody else. It's just you get way happier. I get way happier. <laughs> yo, but like, yo, yo, but here's where I realized it. Like, there's a show I'll do. I do it called Dropping In. I just did an episode in uh, the, the Heights, Washington Heights, New York. It's a section of New York that's basically the Dominican Republic. You've, you've probably yep. been. And it literally is this Very Dominican nice enclave that's fucking inside the city. And I went around. I had a guy showing me around. I did stand-up in Spanish that night in front of four people. Right. But I had the greatest fucking time filming it. Now, however many people see it, see it. And if it's a lot, that's a bonus. I'm like, sick. But right. I've realized that I love the creation. I love making a joke. Like that inside joke show that I do, it's because I love talking to comics about bits. Mm-hmm. I fucking love it, especially if comics they're like that I appreciate their comedy. Yeah, yeah. I fucking I I don't give a fuck what a comic has to say about the government or Trump. Tell me what you're thinking about. What joke idea you got? Let's fucking workshop it. That is so much fun. So if people watch and they will, they will find it because I know it's good. But mm. that's not feeding me. And I can only say this, John. Because I make a lot of money doing comedy. Right. I can only say it. And I know anybody listening right now that doesn't is going to be like, ah, fuck, I'd feel that way if I did as well. I've been miserable making a lot of money. I've been miserable because I was so focused on uh, valid being validated. Oh, this got a lot of views or this sold to this many tickets or this do whatever like that. And the second I shifted that frame into what, do I, what am I really doing this for? Is it so these strangers clap for me? Right. Or do I truly love the craft? Do I truly love the art? Do mm-hmm. I truly love the minds of the people I get to talk to? 
And the second I did it, and I'm telling you, I'm always only able to because I achieved a certain amount of success. Right. But the second I was able to, and I veer off from it from time to time, but dude, it's fucking, it's great to look at a video that got 15,000 views. I have videos that get millions, but look, it got 15,000. Be so just proud that we put it together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it shifted everything. So like the fact that you have a fucking job, if anybody criticizes that shit, because they're struggling well, on their fucking hundred dollar tree. Well, that was listen. I'm not. I'm not taking. Uh, I'm not taking life advice from fucking forty year old men with roommates. Good. <laughs> you know, good. I'm, because I'm pretty good. Th- th- you can do comedy at night. You could. And you're like so much better. Like you feel like you feel more confidence because you're providing for your family. So now that thing is this thing that you do for your joy, your love, and it's gonna be. It's gonna come through the comedy. You're not gonna have this bitterness that we often bring on stage. Like you know when you're really dark. Sometimes it's really funny, but like sometimes you just hate the you hate the audience because you're not where you're at. You hate everything, and then the jokes aren't funny. But when you're like oh yeah, somewhat jo- playful, you can get yeah. away with any topic. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know I what I mean? I mean, Tyler knows. Like Tyler's a perfect example. Oh yeah. You can, Tyler talks about the darkest of shit, but he's playful. He's it's like all right, he's having fun. Fine, I'll have fun. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Uncle TT. Throwing some karate kicks on stage the other night. <laughs> just having, I'm dancing. Dude, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, I really love watching you for that reason. It's because people get caught up in your energy. Mm-hmm. And they stop relating to how they feel about the topic. And they start relating to how you do. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, I'm going to watch this funny guy. You're almost cartoonish yeah. in a way. You know, it's like I, I brought like, – like one thing I, I recognized uh, – I look at comedy. I'm like, okay, who do I really like in comedy? I love Chris Rock. I love Carlin. I love you know all those guys. But then I also really enjoy Andrew Dice Clay, and I really enjoy Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield, I feel, is the funniest pure comic in terms of like that energy that he brings. He's just having a he's having a good time. The jokes he's are secondary. He's gliding. He's yeah. the joke. Yes. And the the, the punchlines are second. Yeah, and if the punchlines are amazing and you're having a blast up there, it's going to be interesting. You're the leader of the party, mm-hmm. and if you're having a good time, it's going to be well, a good time. you always are bringing the party. That's true. You're yeah. always, <laughs> it's, it's like when a comic, uh, I think a really good comic, can get you on their wave. Mm-hmm. And I can tell when I break an audience. Yeah. Break like uh, I'm speaking of like breaking a horse. You know, we have yeah. a wild horse. Oh, absolutely. And they're and just like, going I on board tonight. with whatever they're I going. I saw you I break them tonight. You saw it. It was I like. Watch it. They're a little. Yeah, you go. I was. I watched it because uh, we, we go in and, and we both were like, ooh, they're a little tense tonight. And then yeah. Schultz does the joke about uh, eating ass. And it just you just see them just fucking everyone looks at each other for a second <laughs> and then they break. And it, everyone uh-huh. was laughing. So hard. It was the hardest, most cathartic laugh that that crowd had all night. And they mm. laughed throughout the rest of your set. They were good. But yeah. that was the breaking point where they just went, they let their guard down. They're like, we're going to laugh now. And we, were <laughs> we like this well, guy. You got to let your guard down to get your ass. You know, real talk. <laughs> but they're like, we like this guy. He's he's funny. He's dealing us, you know, yeah. his truth. And it's <laughs> like he's being Dude, funny about it. And there's a uh, we were talking about this in the in the grocery store when I was getting these shitty chips that, mm-hmm. that, that John has. But uh but the idea, like, I learned a little bit later on in comedy that um, I completely disagree with the conventional wisdom of most comedians, which is start out easy and then sl- then bring on the dark shit. Right. I think that they dislike you when you do that. Because you're tricking them. Because you're a fucking trick. It's, it's very similar mm. when, and this is going to be a horrible analogy. Rape. But uh, <laughs> it's just like boxing. <laughs> it's very great. It's just like boxing. <laughs> <laughs> 
These fucking you dork slip comedians. Jab, slip the jab. Slip the jab. <laughs> These fucking nerd comedians who have never had a fight in their life. Go. It's the same thing as being in a fight. Shut the Shadow fuck up. You've only had your fucking ass kicked, you dork. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the nerd comics that say that too, right? This fuck is you. just like boxing. Yeah. Am I masculine now? Yeah. Anyway, so um, what we, what we were saying earlier is 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 that like. I think that if you take a, co- a crowd into a dark place and, or, or an uncomfortable place, but you reward them, they no longer feel the discomfort. So if you give them like fluff in the beginning and then you take them somewhere uncomfortable, they're like, I'm not used to this feeling. I don't like this feeling. I like fluff fun guy. But if right. you give in, but if you take an audience into a place that's uncomfortable or unknown, Mm-hmm. And then reward it with laughter. The next time you take them to that place is uncomfortable or unknown. Instead of being uncomfortable, they're going, "Oh no no, the good stuff's coming. The good the good stuff's coming." Now the risk is the punchline isn't funny enough to justify that discomfort. Yes. And if it's not, you bomb. But if you find a way to make it funny enough up top, that's how you break right away. I tell you, break them right away, and then they're fucking on board. Oh, okay. Absolutely. This is the guy? All right. I'm ready. Where are we going? Yeah. They'll follow you into battle. I trust him. We were telling it's like people want to follow. They just want a worthy leader. We don't, humans in general, we're like, we don't want to follow some weak motherfucker. That's why we hate everything on TV. It's like because they're spoon feeding us the weak. Listen, let me tell you something. That's why people loved the Sons of Anarchy. Because on television, white guys are all weak fucking twerps. Cucks. And then cucks. And then now you get Sons of Anarchy and everybody's like, oh, man. Yeah, see? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Everyone's guys getting pussy, bro. Everyone's doing wheelies coming everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 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 No, you're not wrong. Like, every role that I go out for uh, and uh, is like, uh, if if you're a white guy, every role is closeted gay now. Mm. If you're straight, you're closeted gay. So... I even had a role that was switched on me I for a show I shot for Hulu two weeks before we started shooting. I filmed the whole season, and um, they switched the role to Closeted Gay. It wasn't written as Closeted Gay. Right. But the mustache, <laughs> they were like, <laughs> Freddie Mercury? <laughs> <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody didn't work out. We're going to roll the dice on they're Closeted like, listen, Gay. They're like, listen, this is how you get him. You serve him fluff, 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 fluff. <laughs> and then you get him to that dark spot when he's already contractually obligated. Uh, but you know what it is, dude? What it really is? It's um, it's not even that they, like, they hate white guys. They're so afraid of, like, no diversity yeah. backlash. Mm-hmm. But they still realize that they, they like, the majority of the country is probably white. They, and they need like, a relatable white guy. They like watching some white yeah. shit. But they're like, okay, so how do we make white guys minorities? Okay. Right. Mm. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. But also, <laughs> but also, we're not going to be the ones to like fire up an article, like white right. men. You know what I mean? Right. Like and if we do, then you're all right, and it's a right. Whole thing. Like, like you know what? The Gillette commercial. Yes. The Gillette commercial when yep. there was the the one part that stuck out to me was like when the when the white guy was catcalling and the black guy pulled him back and was it's like, like no 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 man that ain't cool. Yeah, you know, and I was like, oh, come on, man. Yeah. Now we're the cat callers. You know who the best at cat calling is, man. You know who the best Mexicans. is. Mexicans. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be really oh, yeah, good at cat calling a second language. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, the, My favorite part of the Gillette commercial is that uh, they didn't care about any cultures that don't shave their beards. 
Yeah. Like there's no Sikh guys there. <laughs> yeah. There's no Muslim guys like they're yeah. like, oh, we don't care if you guys treat women like shit. Go for it. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. white guys, black guys, shave your beards right now. Well, well, they're not miracle workers. <laughs> <laughs> when those two kids are fighting, are you fucking telling me no one's placing bets? <laughs> but like, how crazy is that? They literally were like, who uses our razors? Only make them be better than men. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like, oh, those groups don't care? Oh, yeah. fuck it. Do your yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sharia oh. for everyone. Yeah. The people <laughs> who treat women the worst. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said it. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> it was me. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, guys. Um, I love this episode. I mean, we didn't talk about one fight, but. <laughs> I got punched in the face once. That's Schultz what I got, got punched for in the face. That was, that was and good. Honestly, a boxing. Talking, and, uh, talking to, to Schultz about comedy philosophy is uh, it's, a, it's a treat in itself. I love talking comedy. Fuck yeah. Good shit. Well, I think uh, that was a great episode. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah, what was your po- what's your podcast called? Uh, Brilliant Idiots or, and Flagrant 2. Those are the two podcasts. Okay. And then Tweet. I'm going to be dropping in, uh, that uh a new special if I can do a little promo for Hell that. Oh yeah, 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 pump it um, up. It's going to be on YouTube. Yeah, so much of your shit is just free and available so you guys can go and, and just drink it in. Got to do it. YouTube.com slash Schultz, and uh, it's uh, I'm really excited for it. It's called Views from the Sis and uh, yeah, I think, think it's going to be really cool. I even like how you're dictating your own terms of how you drop a special. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. You got to break it up. If, if you say to somebody... Hey man, check this guy out. You've never heard of. Listen to him talk for an hour. No one's gonna. Be like, Go yeah. fuck yourself. I'd never do that. And what do they do when that when you're when you're putting out a, when a an album? If you're a musician, they're like, here's a single. Here's another single. Here's yes. another single. Yes. You know. His albums are dead too. Takashi yeah. Six Nine. I mean, he's in jail. But like, remember that guy Takashi? Yeah. Oh he yeah. He put a single album out. He just kept putting singles out every month. Nice. And he just controlled the thing. So that's what I learned back in the day. It's like you got to make it digestible. Digestible, yeah. man, is all about attention spans are shorter, and people are consuming things in a different way now. They're consuming so. different, but you know what? They'll listen and they'll watch for hours mm-hmm. if they like you. Yeah. So they have an attention span for what they like, right? Not right, for right. What they don't know. Falling into the rabbit hole on YouTube ain't a bad thing either. That's a, I sit there, I can watch, you know, brilliant idiots just go from clip to clip. You know, you don't even have to listen sometimes to the whole episode. You guys have a whole bunch of like chopped up clips. Mm-hmm. That's, you know that's how that's how it works on on the YouTube. That's thing, what happened. So. That my career changed after that. Everything yeah. changed after that, because they would watch one clip and then watch two hours straight. Mm. Yeah. And it was all about just finding a way where I could like access them. You know what I mean? Like I could just like make it, a w- and they just watch one after another, and it's so convenient, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like it's not like you have to search again. Um, I have a playlist, and you can just keep going through all of them, and another bit will pop up. And I'm hoping this this special is the one that really takes it takes it off, man. Man, it, like if 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 what's happening in your career right now is any indication, I think it's you know it's moving in that direction, dude. It's everyone's excited for it. We're excited for it. We you know fingers crossed. I I, f- I follow everything you're doing. I've learned a lot from you. We're, we've been friends for a long time, but long time. It's been uh, it's been exciting to see the Schultz uh, train just fucking. Russian. I've only recently been able to enjoy it. I, I was just too bitter and jealous before. <laughs> but but I, the last year, I've really made some strides. <laughs> yeah, man, this is great. It's great, man. Yeah, I, th- I think really it's like I'll get you, you a gold chain. I'll get you. <laughs> it's a weird thing. It's like I don't know. Like you gotta root for me because 
I'm the example. I'm with literally everyone who didn't get a shot at stand up. Like I got tons of shot with TV and that kind of shit, but that's right. not what I love. Like what we like. I have everything that you should want for a, a Netflix special or a Showtime, and literally every network said no. And then I put out myself on YouTube, and I got fucking. I think I was the most viewed stand up comic on YouTube. Like, mm-hmm. but I'm the example. You should all follow. Like everybody should literally do exactly what I'm doing. Because we can do it. We could do it ourselves. We don't need them. Mm-hmm. And even if you do the special, no one comes out to the shows. Unless yeah. you're on Netflix, nobody's yeah. coming out. And and now it's so fucking saturated. You know, it used to be you, you get a special on Netflix. The next day, there's a line around the block. I just, that cannot be true of nope. everybody that has a special Last on Netflix that, anymore. that worked for was Ali Wong. They put mm. 40 fucking specials out on New Year's Ooh, Day. Wait till my next shit. I'll tell you guys off air. But yeah. my next shit, I'm going to do what they wanted to do. With that, oh, next one's gonna be crazy. Ooh, baby! Very excited. All right, thank, thank you all so much. So Thanks, much, Bobby. Andrew Schultz. This has been another episode of Fight Stories, and uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe to all of our channels. Uh, YouTube, we got clips up there, and uh, just like what Schultz does, you can sit and sit in the rabbit hole and consume our shit all day. And uh, Patreon.com/slash/Fight Stories. Tons of bonus incentives. Get on there. Support the tribe. Yeah, Listen, uh, you contribute enough money, I'll send you a dick pic, baby. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and if you don't contribute any money, I'll send you. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Sunshine guys. boys. Sunshine boys. <laughs> Riding off into the sunset. That's been fight stories, guys.